was falling in tears, Lord, because God came out and died. The creator of all the life of me. Let men with wicked hands rip him to pieces for my healing. He redeemed me. He died for me. Lord God, I love you for that. I appreciate you for being a redeemer. Lord, we don't know you this morning just as a redeemer. We know you as a restorer, as a binder of the wound, Lord, as a deliverer, as someone who sets the captives free. Lord, it feels good to be free this morning. I want to say thank you, Lord, for making us free. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in our day. You wasn't just settled with what you did then. It was a, it was a two-part purpose, Lord, to redeem us that we might have access to you. And then you would come and make yourself known. Lord, we love you so much this morning. We're not here to argue. We're not here to debate. Lord, we're just here to sit at your feet, Lord, and hear your wonderful words of life. Not to fight it, but Lord, let it change us. Because your word makes a difference. Birds are so entry. We worship you this morning. Thank you for being our God. Thank you, Lord, for being our Lord, for what you've done for us the last few days, Lord, and most importantly, what you've done for us right now. How we love you, Lord Jesus. You are so good and so kind to your people. Great are you, Lord. Help us today as we begin to, to, to for the ministry of the word, that our hearts could be settled, our spirits could be settled, that peace would cover this room this morning, Lord, and, and it would not get sleepy, but Lord, that we would sit and hang on every word that comes from your mouth. Speak to my heart today. Draw me nearer to you, Lord. Help us, we pray, Lord. Bless all those that are watching through the recording. Bless them, Lord. Help their lives. Draw them nearer. Draw them nearer, Lord Jesus. We love you with all that's within us in your precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. While you're standing, if you'll turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 52. What a mighty God we serve. I'm going to read just one verse before we're seated this morning. I have read this several verses here a few weeks ago, but I'm going to read this to you again. Today's part 16 in our study on a rapture and the voice that's calling for the rapture. Isaiah 52, verse 6. He said, Therefore, my people, and you know, this wouldn't be written in red because you know, that was the New Testament. That was for the letters of Christ, but this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking right now. Just so you don't think it was just someone uh, relaying something they heard. These are the words of Elohim, your husband, your lover, your savior. Therefore, my people, that's you, my people shall know my name, my name. Therefore, they shall know that I am that I am, Moses said, who will I come sent me? Tell him I am. I am he that doth speak. Behold, and, and I. you may be seated this morning. What a promise. What a promise. 
<clears throat> well, you'll notice that some of us don't have very much of a voice. Had some powerful, powerful meetings down there in Pawnee this weekend. I'm so grateful for what the Lord has done for us. There's going to be testimonies coming back to this church that are going to blow you away. Blow you away. And we'll have those when they get back on Wednesday night to testify and tell you what the Lord's done for them and what they got to see. I am so thankful to be able to be there. And I'd love to share some of those testimonies with you now, but I'm going to try to wait and let them give them to you because it won't take a couple of them very long. Walking in, you'll still be able to see it for yourself. By their fruits, you'll know them. It's by the fruit. And when you see a life that's been changed, it don't take long to see that fruit of them. But I really appreciate what the Lord did. I appreciate what the Lord did for us for here Wednesday night. I appreciate what the man delivering his heart and letting the Lord use him like that. I thank God for that. That's very special to us as a body of believers, what the Lord's done for us. And even here today that we might be tired, you might be coming off of, you know, COVID, all that, that the devil's tried to stop you to, to keep you from entering in this morning, but Satan's defeated. Satan's always going to be defeated. Satan will never be nothing but defeated all the time, all the place. And I thank God for that. See, the truth makes you free. The truth makes you free. If you were sitting in an actual prison cell this morning and someone walked up to you and said, what are you doing here? You've been set free. Well, I, no one told me. No, no one. I, uh, I guess, should I stay? Should I go? Should I? No, you've been freed. I, there's a song that the Crab family says, and this is just a, this is just a symbol. But that song says that this is a symbol. It's an icon to let you know that you're free. That you're free. Not one day will be, but that you're free right now. Satan's a liar. Satan's a con man. Satan's a bluff. Satan has no truth in him. The truth will make you free, and that's what he's done. Now, as I said, <laughs> redemption has two parts. There's a coming out of and going into. We know what the Lord Jesus did there 2,000 years ago and given that blood sacrifice. And, and there's a lot of things that people don't understand. And they, they'll, they'll have a certain thing they've been taught in their life because Satan is interjected into the word. Satan is hybridized. Satan has watered down your defense. He's watered down your armor so that you don't really know that you know. So you're not really sure how to fight him. Satan knows the word will whoop him all day long. And I don't just mean, oh, slightly contend with. Well, we had a, a little disagreement. No, it's not like that. Colossians 2, Matt will tell you, said he made an open show of him plainly. And, and, and you know, like Brother uh, Andrew talked last night, there were those kings that they put in the cave there in Joshua's day. Joshua brought them out just so you have a visual idea. Had those kings brought out of the cave, stretched their necks out and told all the generals, you walk over here and put your foot on their neck. That's where your foot belongs. That's where your foot belongs. That's what our God, the captain of our salvation, did for us. Thank you for that. Coming out of going into, coming out of going into, and and even that, you know, that was that picture of that door right there represents Revelation chapter three. And he said, Come out of her. Come out of her. Come out of her. And and he wouldn't have been able to say that if there wasn't something to come into. It, it, because you know, before what he did there two thousand years ago, there was no getting into. There was no getting into because of the fall and the doubt and the unbelief and the, and the, the, the hybridizing of the putting one word in brought death to the human race that built a chasm between you and God that no man could cross. 
no man can cross, but he couldn't have said come out if there hadn't have been a way made. And that's what the Lord Jesus did. He made a way that we had access. Ephesians tell you that there's been a way made, that you have access and you've been bid to come into. There's the Garden of Eden was being wrapped up and closed down as Adam was being removed. That there were angels, there were cherubims that were set there with flaming swords of fire that were there to turn away anybody to keep them from getting to the tree of life because you could not eat of the tree of life in that condition, in that corruption because you would live as an eternal being corrupted with death in you, darkness in you. So they were kept from it. That's what the angels were set there for. So no one could get the tree of life. But now that God has opened up the way, those same angels are there to usher you into him. You imagine an angel being your usher? You think about the, the majesty of, I don't mean deity, but the majesty of an angel and how beautiful and how just their presence. You felt the presence of an angel before. Angels love to worship. They absolutely love to worship. They were created just like you to worship. And can you imagine you, you know, singing here this morning and, and maybe thinking, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, kind of not feeling it at the moment. And all of a sudden your, your praise gets amplified and you can't get your hands down. You can't keep them out of your pocket and you're screaming and shouting at the top of your lungs. An angel just bumped into you. He just lended his worship to you because maybe he saw you dragging a little bit, but we were created to worship. That's why we were created. I do want to say, um, just want to explain something to you real quick. Uh, we've, we've had on the board, there's a brother in Romania that's reached out to me, and I, I spoke to him back in October, and, and then he reached out to me last Saturday. Uh, a brother Samuel Fita in, um, forgive me, I know he's watching this morning. I think he's watching. He said he would, but, but uh, I can't remember the name of the city. But, but he's... Um, we actually got to watch his service last weekend and really, really enjoyed the service and he's going to be watching again today. He's in a real financial struggle with his family and where he's at there and, and he's asking for your prayers that Lord will bless him and help him and help him to overcome what he's in. And, and I, I told him I'd present that to you as a body of believers that we'll, we'll keep him in prayer and, and pray that God will bless him. I had a brother ask me, um, I think on Friday night, he found out I was from Kansas, from Wichita area, and he said, I'd like to ask you to remember a, a friend of mine there in Wichita, if you remember him, to pray for him. And I said, he said, I won't tell you his name. He said, but he said, because you might know him. And he started hinting, and I said, I still don't know who it is. So he, I don't think he's a believer, but he said, it's a friend of him. I asked prayer. I said, well, I'll keep him in prayer. So I'll ask you as well. It's an anonymous person. As far as that goes, so you would think, I don't know his name, but, but the Lord Jesus knows his name. So the way you bind faith together is I bind my faith with yours. And we say, Lord, you know who that person is, so we're, we're praying that you would help that person. I don't mean help him bless him. I don't mean you know, throw a million dollars in his bank account. I don't mean give him a brand new car. I mean draw him close to the Lord Jesus. Draw him closer to the Lord Jesus. Let that man surrender his life where he's at. The Bible tells you to seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added. If your heart's given to the Lord, if you're walking for the Lord, all these other things will be added if you're seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. You appreciate the Lord this morning? <clears throat> in this voice, in this voice that, oh, back to Brother Samuel. Brother Samuel had told me last Saturday that, that there's a lottery that they have, and it's not like a Powerball lottery, but they have it. You put your name in the hat uh, to get a visa to move to the U.S., and he said, we put our name as a family to move to the U.S. And, and, and he called me last Saturday. He was telling me this. He said, he said we want to move to Kansas. Right? That's kind of random. Where are you moving to Kansas for? He said, to where your church is at. Uh, well, Lord bless him. Bless that desire. Lord, have his way. If, if it's the Lord's will, you know, ain't nothing can stop it. If it's not the Lord's will, if it's not the Lord's will right now, it doesn't matter because nothing can stop God's will. 
So I wanted to explain what Bethany put on the board. It, it, so it's a brother of ours. He's a brother of ours to be praying for him. So back to our sermon. <clears throat> There's so many scriptures. There's so many scriptures. If you start just to just put in your Bible app, this voice or the voice or him that speaks, I am he that does speak to you. Put those voices in. And, and again, faith comes by hearing of the word. Faith comes by hearing of the word. And I love that statement that, that Brother Ram told us that D.L. Moody used to say. He said, I used to pray, God, give me faith. God, give me faith. God, give me faith. He said, if faith didn't come, he said, then one day I read, faith comes by hearing of the word. And he said, and then I started reading the word and living in that word. He said, faith began to build like a brush fire. He said, and my heart began to believe. And, and the reason why that is nothing but the truth is, is because this is what is true. And now you have a place to stand. You have a, a place to say, you know what? I believe what God said. It's not just saying, well, Sam Parker thinks that if I, you know, I think about something strong enough, then I'll be healed of whatever that's bothering me. Or, or if I think about this, no, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what someone else thinks. His word imparted this promise unto you. This promise is unto you. And this one that made this promise is the same one that made air that made fire, that made rain, that made water. It's the same one. He's the same one that created that very air that as you sit here listening to me and you're pulling that air into your lungs, every bit of air that you're pulling in, he created that. The, the hair on your head, the skin on your body, he created that. That's who made these promises to you. And I always try to really stress these points to you. This isn't just a governor saying, here, I impart this to you, or your mayor, or your president. No, this is the one that can do it. And it's not just he said, oh, if, if, if you're good enough, or if you're this. He said, no, my promise is to you. It is my promise. And as you go back and read through these things, you can't read the Bible without a revelation. You'll never get anything from God without a revelation. And what a revelation is, it's, it's, a, it's that personal uh, understanding. He means me. He means me. It's not for the body globally. It's not for it doesn't help you if she believes or she believes. I have, to, I have to believe it. Now, faith is a very powerful thing. Unbelief is a powerful thing. Unbelief can resurrect cancer. Unbelief can resurrect a, a, a growth. Unbelief can do that. Because Luke 10, 19 was for you. Behold, I give unto you power. And so whether you believe or whether you doubt, you've still got power. So, but the prophet told us, if, if God, if you've got a cancer on you, we'll pick cancer, it's one of the most scariest things out there. If you've got cancer and, and the Lord kills that thing in your life and it's dead and it's dying and it, it has to go through the stages of death just like everything else, it has to die as well. And then if you start to doubt it, if you start to disbelieve what God did for you, your doubt will resurrect that cancer. Resurrect it. So no different than a headache. Let's go from one of the most scariest things as far as cancer down to a toe ache, to a toothache, to a headache. You're still healed. It doesn't matter if the Lord Jesus stripped down and, and grabbed that cancer and all of its effects out of your body and you felt that effect and you said, Lord, I'm healed. It's no more, it's no less supernatural than him healing you from a headache or migraine or toothache. We think, oh, this is a great big thing. I, only God can do this. Who can do these things but God? 
You can't heal a headache. You can't heal a toothache. You can take things, uh, sometimes acetaminophen or whatever, acetaminophen, whatever the word is, or ibuprofen and try to, you know, because you, you, you say your blood vessels constrict and blood flow is not going through. You could take those things and try to expand them, but that still doesn't take away the headache. God is the healer. He's the healer. And so when you see these words and you realize that, wait a minute, my God's not a liar. And if, if I have a revelation that he's talking to me, it, say for this morning, you're sitting here, however many people we have, and you're thinking, you know what? I hear the guy for talking. He's running his mouth, but that's not for me this morning. I'm just going to sit here in my chair. I'm going to twiddle my thumbs. I'm going to pick my nails or uh, anything else. It's not for me. And that's, you know, that's your right. That's your right. But, but faith will say, wait a minute, that is for me. It's not Sam Parker speaking to me. It's the Lord Jesus speaking to me. You can see the gift in this life, in this body, and it's not me. And you know it's the Lord. It don't take very long for you to know it's the Lord if you're listening. Because it, God, in your heart, you'll, you'll, you'll have something that, that you've been praying about, that you've been talking about. And you know I don't know. You know I don't know, and the Lord will bring it up in the process of the sermon, and you're like, Lord, that was for me. That let me know, Lord, that no matter where I was at, no matter what I was doing, no matter what I was thinking, thank you, Joseph, I know my Lord Jesus was there. Now, the beautiful thing about that is a lot of times how sweet and kind our Savior is, you'll have been in a very hard moment. You'll have been in a very tough trial. You might not have felt good. You might have felt low. You might have felt all alone. And you might have thought something in that moment. And you just, you know, certain subjects. And then the Lord would bring it up in a time like this. And you realize, I was not alone. And he's with me always. And he's with me always. Everywhere, he that comes to God must believe that he is God. Our God fills all time. He fills all space. He is God and he's God alone. I believe that this morning with all my heart. <laughs> so when you realize who it is that's speaking, who it is that's speaking, and I can think of, of several times in testimonies where the random would give that, that, the, that things would be running through his mind, things would be running through his mind, and he would step back and say, wait a minute, who's talking to me? Who's talking to me? Even sitting there in the woods that day, and he's, he's just, he knew he wasn't going to get any squirrels. He knew he wasn't going to get any squirrels because of time of day, the noise, all the different cold, all these things that was going on. He knew that he wasn't being a good hunter. So he said, I'll just sit here and I'll just kind of rest and just be in nature. And he's thinking about Mark 11. He's thinking about, if you say to this mountain, and he's thinking about that and just pondering over that scripture. And he said, I didn't understand why God, the Lord Jesus Christ would say, if you say, he said, I'm, I'm pondering over this word. I'm, I'm thinking about what the word in the scripture says. He said, I'm worried, Lord, Lord, why did you say you say? And the Lord speaks to him and says, that scripture is true, just like every other scripture is true. Now, when you weigh that in mighty statements, you think, well, yeah, sure, sure. But we don't believe it. We don't fully believe it. Because too many of us sit here this morning, we need those parts that we believe, that need to be believed. And, and it is a growth. It's a walking with the Lord. You get closer and you get a little more. You get closer, you get a little more. You get closer and you get a little more. But, but you'll read across things, okay, I see the word says that. There's a difference between understanding that it's there. It's a difference when it's saying, it's for me. Once it becomes revelation, it's for me. You So if I know this is my book. This belongs to me. I walk up and you'll see when I go to lead today, that book's going with me because it belongs to me. 
That promise is mine. You'll see when I get ready to leave today, I'll pick up all my, my tablet and the seal book and my church chase book, my Bible, and I'll walk out the door. Even my jacket, I'll pick my jacket up and whatever it is, and I'll, I'll walk the truck with it because I know it belongs to me. Otherwise, if I thought it was someone else's, I'd leave it put. But because I know it's mine, I'll grab that and I'll take it home with me. Wherever I got to go, it'll be in my bedroom. It'll be wherever I need to. If I need to leave it in my truck while I go to work, it's now mine because it belongs to me. Someone give it to me. Someone give it to me. So it's my possession. It's not just his. He said, I give this to you. And a gift is the way that a gift works. The prophet would tell you that, say, for example, I was going to give Sister Presley a million dollars this morning and just give that to her. And she said, well, let me do something for you to make it worthy. Brother, let me just adjust your tie right there. That way, and she looks like she'll have done something. A free gift is that I give this to you and you did nothing. Well, I had to work hard or I had to do this. No, that's not the way that works. But the thing about this gift is where people get disconnected uh, in, in their thoughts and the way the process of your mind works that, well, it's this and, and then, you know, God's over there. and do whatever. No, this gift changes you. This gift changes you. This gift will compel you to give him more, to give him more, to give him more. I'm not just going to say, Lord, I thank you for healing me this morning. That's great of you. That's pretty swell. Have a good day. I'll see you next time I need you. No, no. This gift says I would have never gotten better if he had not touched me. And I'm not going back to what I was before then. So what's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? How much more can I believe? How much more of your word can I pull into my heart and let it change me till one day you don't see me no more? This gift changes you. This word is he, is he broods over his people. It changes you. We can all testify of that this morning. Turn to John 10 <clears throat> with me this morning. John chapter 10. I'm going to read a good bit of this verse to you. It's very, very powerful. And the thing about the parables that the Lord Jesus spoke, see, I don't believe that he's just telling a good story. Many of us here can probably tell things you've heard and, and relay and things seen or uh, just different stories. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people want to relegate uh, the parables that the Lord Jesus spoke to just a story. Uh, for example, one of my favorite ones is, is the man on the road to Jericho and, and the, the robbers fell on him and beat him and left him for dead. And a, a man, you know, a, a priest from his, a man from his own country comes by, crosses the other side of the street not to help him. A priest comes by, a Pharisee, all they come by and they're like, no, it won't help. And they knew that he was from the same country as them and they're going the same way. It's not like they were, you know, leaving Jericho and repented and say, we won't go back to Jericho. No, they're, they're going the same way this man was. But they looked down upon him and, and what would have been his sin and said, you know, that's, that's not for me. We're better than that. We're better than that. But along comes someone that they all considered a dog and he walked up and said, how can I help him? How can I help him? Now, most people would, would just you know, classify that as just a story. Well, all the Lord Jesus tells the best stories. I, I see the point of that story, and that sounds like it maybe was good. And, oh, good, God sent someone to help the man. You don't understand who's telling that story, telling, recounting what happened. So you have the word standing there in a human flesh, 
And the word is standing there in a body of people. And I will promise you, I could be wrong, but I would just about promise you that those men that had walked on the other side of the road were in that crowd. And they're sitting there thinking, no one saw me do that. No one saw me leave that man for dead. No one saw me do that. You know they're thinking that. Because they're not talking about, oh, it's just a good story. No, they realize, how does he know that? He told them so many times to start telling them what they were thinking. Why are you thinking like that? Why are you thinking that? This is the word. So keep that in mind as we start through this John chapter 10. <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door. Let's just pause right there. Who's the door? He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. So how do we get to God? How do we get to Elohim? How do we do that? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, that's just a, such a generic statement. No, no, no. You don't know what he did in the vehicle of the Lord Jesus Christ in that flesh, in that blood sacrifice. What he actually did was made a way that now you could come unto me. Because before that, you could not come unto me. And you think how many times in your life you've heard that statement, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You most of you can even quote it. I've heard that so much. I've heard that so much. But before he said it, you could not do it. You could not do it. If you touched the mountain, say for the, say the Colorado Rockies or something like that, say in the spirit of God come down upon that mountain there. And if you touched the very mountain that that presence come on, you were killed. A beast, an animal, you could not get near him. You could not get near him. But now here he is standing here. What's different? Something's different. He's done told us that he and his father is one. So if he and his father is one, if he is the father, you know he's the Holy Ghost. You know he is. I was talking to some brothers this weekend about dealing with people about the Trinity. People struggle so hard with the Trinity. And the reason why is Satan put that out there to take away people's uh, avenue and access to God. Well, who do I pray to? I, this, I, do, I pray to the Spirit. Do I pray to God? Do I pray to Jesus? I just don't know. I just got to pick. When I heard Brother Donnie preach, and I think I shared it to our WhatsApp page, uh, a sermon that uh, being in India, that there was, um, they had, uh, he told me, 45, he said 45, 40, not for me, it's in the sermon, 45, 46,000 gods. And he said, they haven't broke down. He said, I've been there and heard them say this. They have one God you pray to if you got a stomachache. They got one God you pray to if you got a backache. One God you pray to if you got an elbow ache, a nose, a runny nose, all these different gods. Can you imagine trying to keep track? Wait, I got a headache and my foot hurts and my stomach. Oh my goodness, it's going to take me all day. It's just perversion. It's just missing the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. So what Satan did, he said, okay, there's one God. But he said, and he, Lucifer would, would testify to you, I used to lay before his throne. I know there's only one. Lucifer would tell you, I know there's only one. I know there's not three. Lucifer would tell you that, but he'll get you to believe it. He'll trick you to believe it. He'll make you say, well, no, there's actually three. Well, let's twist this scripture and twist this scripture. There's no, once you understand what the Bible teaches you, that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, that he is one. When Jesus would say, I and my father is one. Wait a minute now. I've been taught my whole life and all my doctrine and all my dogma that there's at least two. And so now you're saying that those two are actually one, not just agree in one, but actually are one. So I ain't got to pray to, no, I just pray to my one. 
And the thing about praying to this one is, I know he can do it because the word teaches me he can do it. The word teaches me. The word teaches. See, the thing about preaching is, preaching, the prophet will tell you, catches the sinner, catches your attention. And that preaching of the gospel or manifesting the gospel, because we're all told in Mark 16, go you all into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what the Bible tells each one of us. You can hold your hand up, say, that was to me. I'm the one that's told. But maybe you're not a preacher. Maybe you're not to stand here, but your life is preaching. Your life and your testimony is saying, look, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what I used to be. And you can obviously say now that I'm not that no more. You're preaching or manifesting the gospel. You're manifesting the gospel. I'm showing you a living savior. I'm showing you a redeemer. You look at my life. You see, I'm restored. You see, I'm not what I used to be. And I can tell you how I got that way. It's because there's one Lord, one God. He did this for me. So I've been preaching. My life's preaching. My life is preaching. Not just my mouth, but my life is preaching. Now, preaching catches the sinner. No different than the signs and the wonders. The preaching, they're tearing off the fish and the loaves, no different than those things. It's to catch your attention, to catch your attention. That preaching catches a sinner, the sinner, an unbeliever. Sinner's an unbeliever. It's not, you don't got to be a smoker. You ain't got to be drinking. You ain't got to be running around. No, having unbelief in your heart, just having doubt in your heart, that makes you a sinner because you're meant to, it's going to be real simple now, only believe. You're meant to only believe. That's simple, only believe. Well, believing with a little bit of doubt. No, no, only believe. So that preaching catches your attention. And you were a sinner. And what it does, it tells you there's a living God who's very real. He's right here, right now. He's revealing himself to you. So it's caught your attention, but teaching positionally places you. Okay, so I know now that I'm redeemed, I'm restored, I'm delivered, I'm healed. He set me loose from the captivity that I was in. Praise the Lord. What's next? Stand up. There's so much more. Peter, get out of prison. Peter, stand up. Walk out. Don't sit there. Come on. There's more. There's a lot of work for you to do. A lot of work for you to do. Step up. What's next, Lord? Dig in. Dig in. Dig in. Let me teach you the wonderful ways of life. The wonderful ways of life, not of death, not of doubt, not of unbelief, not of anything that pulls you from me, but let me teach you the wonderful ways of life. He is life. He said, I'm the truth and the life. The door is the Lord Jesus Christ. Verily, verily, I say unto you, chapter 10, verse 1, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Now, you can easily couple this with the, the parable of the wedding guest. You understand the story that the, the, what had happened was he had told them, go in the highways, the hedges, the byways. You go compel them. And what that means is, and again, this is to you. This is your commission. It's not just, well, I, I'll testify later. I'll, I'll witness about what God's done in our day later. Yes, God sent a prophet. Yes, God's opened the word. Yes, oh, but I'll tell them later. That's not what we're told to do. The Bible says you compel them. That means come here, come here. You need to see what God's done. Come here. Pull them out of the highways and the hedges and the byways. Let me show you what the Lord has done. Let me show you what the Lord has done. Brother Manuel Salazar liking this. Uh, we was down there in September at Brother Windows. He's talking about, he said, you can't, you can't uh, lead, you can lead a horse with water, but you can't make him drink. That's what people say. You can lead a horse with water, but you can't make the horse drink. No, he said, but you can splash it in his face. You splash it in his face. Look at it. Look at it. This will save you. This will change you. This will sustain you. Oh, well, I don't really, you don't know if I testify or don't know that I'll do that. You're called to. 
It's why you're called to. <clears throat> Amen? Amen, everybody, it's what you're called to. Uh, we was, uh, Joseph was asking me this morning about the, the different people that are running and shouting and jumping last night. And, and there's some, uh, I thought the same thing. There's uh, just, just kind of randomly thrown in here that there, there's a couple of the kids that were probably doing it just because other kids were doing it. I'll agree with that because people mimic. They want to see, you know, I see what you're doing. I want to see, and that's, that's an honorable thing. And some people, uh, the devil will put a critical spirit on you and see, see, they're just faking. They're just mimicking. They're just impertinent. See, that's not true. That's a lie of the devil. See, let me tell you, just to be honest with you, you were created to run and jump and shout and scream for your God. You were created to scream his praises from the mountaintops. That's the only reason you were created to give him praise, to give him glory, unless you want to rock to take your place. So if you're doing it, you're not being a hypocrite. You're not impersonating. If you're doing anything else, you're being a hypocrite. Well, I will, I'll go shout over this movie. I'll go shout over this ball game. Oh, I'll get so excited because the field goal or the, the basketball goal. Oh, I get so excited. But when the word comes across your path, eh, now you're being a hypocrite because this means nothing. That means nothing. That's not eternal life. No, this right here should set your heart on fire and you should be sitting screaming, God is good. God is real. Look what he's done for me. Look what he's done for me. I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. And, and again, back to the parable of the wedding guest said, they found a man that was inside the wedding supper and he did not have a wedding garment on. He was in the wedding supper, did not have a wedding garment. You've read the parable of the wedding guest. He did not have a wedding garment on, but he's at the marriage supper. So how did he get in there? Because when you come through the door, the porter greets you because it was their custom. Here, put this, this, uh, this wedding garment on. You're here. We provide a wedding garment for you. And in our day, you know, in your life, the wedding garment is the Holy Ghost. That seal of God, you put that on. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for that robe that you put on me. So they're there. They're at the party. They're at the feast. They're at the celebration. And he does not have on the wedding garment. And you think, how did he get there? He did not come to the door. Because when you come to the door, who is the Holy Ghost? You get the Holy Ghost. He that entereth not into the door. He enters not by the door in the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. The same is a thief and a robber. Well, maybe he was just a thief. No, he's both. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He that entereth in by the door. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. He calls his sheep by name. It's not just, hey, sheepies, come this way. All ye sheep. No, it's your mind, your mind, your mind, your mind. And that sheep can guarantee you, they call my name. He called my name. He called my name. You ever been, uh, as a kid, going to, you know, be, you got a bunch of people being picked for dodgeball or basketball or football or volleyball or, and, you know, well, I'll pick you, I'll pick you. And if you've ever been the last person picked and people's like, I guess that's all that's left. You've ever felt that way before. But when you're the first couple that's picked, you're like, oh, yeah, they picked me first. He picked you. He picked you. (laughs) 
the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth him out. And there's so much that ties into this with the parable of the sower and the seed of God and, and all that God's done for your life. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. You should say, hallelujah. He goes before me. He's a defender behind me. I, I'm, I'm shored up everywhere I go. So I'll say it again. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? He calleth his own sheep. When he putteth forth his own sheep, when he putteth forth, he's like, these are my sheep. You see my sheep. He puts them before. He said, the sheep follow him. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know his voice. Now, it's a different translation from recognize the no. It's a different from saying, okay, it sounds familiar. No, it's that deep on the inside. It says, I heard it. I didn't just hear it. I felt it. The, the prophet was saying like that. It's like a great magnet drawing you. You ever felt that before? It's like, is he going to pick me up by my heart? Is he going to pick me up? He's pulling you to himself. He's pulling you to himself. And when he put it forth his own sheep, he goes before him and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. That tells you that you will flee from unbelief. You'll flee from doubt. You'll flee from any lying con man that says anything contrary to what your shepherd says. Well, my body says I feel sick this morning. My body says that Jonah would tell you that those that observe lying vanities, you're forsaking your own mercy but I can see the symptom. I can feel the symptom. Sometimes you can smell the symptom. Sometimes you can taste the symptom. Sometimes you can hear the symptom. All those five senses, but there's something else that says, I believe what he did for me. So none of these lying vanities matter anymore. All that matters is what my shepherd says. All that matters is what he says. He said, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. We just spent 20 minutes or so on this one, just the first so many verses, and you see what God is saying to you. I want to say thank the Lord from eyes that can see, ears that can hear, and hearts that can understand. This is not anything of I've been educated into. I'm an intellectual. No, he said that the wise and prudent don't hear him. He said it's been hid from their eyes. He said, but it's been revealed unto babes such as would come. Lord, what do you have? What do you say? They didn't understand it. Then said Jesus unto them, okay, we'll try this again. Let's, let's try it a different way. We'll try it this way. You see the, the patience and mercy of God. You take this all the way back to back there in the garden. Well, right after they've left the Garden of Eden and Cain brought a sacrifice that was not according to Revelation. He brought a sacrifice not according to Revelation. And when he brings that sacrifice, the Lord just blows it in his face. And he's sitting there and he's all wroth and he's all fed up and all these things. And God asked him, Elohim asked him, he said, if you'll just do what Abel did, if you'll just, he's speaking to the serpent's seed. He's speaking to someone that is considering himself a direct enemy of Elohim. And he told him, if you'll just accept me, if you'll just do what Abel did, he's, Abel had a revelation. Hebrews 11 says Abel, Abel had a revelation. And he said that if you'll just do what Abel did, I'll accept you. So you see this mercy of God saying, okay, you didn't understand that. We'll, we'll try it this way. We're trying to do anything you can this way. He said, <clears throat> then said Jesus unto them again. Again, you're all reading. You can read just like I can. Then said Jesus unto them again, comma. 
Verily, verily, surely, surely. Pay attention, pay attention. Focus, focus. Cast everything out of your mind. Listen to me right now. Listen to me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I'm the door. He's like, did you not hear me in the back? I'm the door. What's he really trying to say? What's he getting at? I don't understand. These things that he says are so hard to be understood. I don't understand. Any, do I need a neon sign? I'm right here. I'm right here. And like, this guy's crazy. I'm the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. They're thieves and robbers. You know, didn't you just say that a few verses ago, that if you don't come in the door, that you're just a thief and a robber? And he's saying, everyone that's ever come before me is a thief and a robber. That's all they are. And he said, but the sheep did not hear them. He said, I am the door. Man, there he goes again. What is he getting at? I don't understand what he's trying to say. This is so weird. He said, I'm the door. No, you're just a man. Not just a man. Not just a man. He said, I built a body about this tall and about that wide. And I kinosed, I condensed, I fit Elohim into that body. And the world knew me not. You know what I love about my Lord Jesus? Is there's no uppiness about him. There's no, you walk right beside him and you almost wouldn't know if your heart wasn't feeling it. Because your head wouldn't pick it up. Because he ain't told me he's God. He ain't told me all the things he's done. He ain't given me his resume. He ain't told me about the Red Sea. He ain't told me that he's standing right beside you and say, what can I do to help you? Don't you need to tell me how big of a guy you are, how strong you are, all the things you've done? Don't you need to tell me about the eyes, the eyes, the eyes, the eyes, and, and me, 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 me? He won't do it. He's sitting right there. They said he was unassuming, had no guile in his mouth. Had no guile in his mouth. You know how hard it is for you as a human being to let someone lie on you and spit in your face and say all these terrible things about you and you not open your mouth back in defense of yourself? You know how much, you, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to humans this morning where someone slid on you, someone said something about you, someone brought a false report about you. It's all you can, oh, no, let me clean that up. Let me tell you right now. He's just, he said, it was just a man. No, sir. If he was just a man, you're not redeemed. But just a man's blood wasn't good enough. Just a man's sacrifice wasn't good enough. It might get you a year. And that was only because of grace. It was only because of grace. It wasn't because, oh, I've got the best looking, uh, uh, you know, spotless lamb this year. And he's the prettiest. And the No, that was grace. He said, I'll accept that for a year. I'll accept that for a year. I'll accept that for that. But it ain't going no further than that. I'll only give you this time. He said, all that ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go, listen to this, and shall go in and find out. He shall go in. Okay, so let me get this right. I see the door. I go through the door. And when I come in the door, this is mine. Now, I'm not just, Ramly looking around a room. This is mine. You see where you're sitting at this morning. All the promises of you are yea and amen. We serve a big God. There is nothing too big for him. 
There's nothing he can't do. If he had to create a brand new one, he's sitting right beside it. For us to have it, it'd have been there because we serve the creator. And you think that that's too, oh, that's, oh, that's great and that's mighty, but he won't do it in my body. You shall go in and out and find pasture. Now, what that means for those of you that haven't raised animals is that that's where you're fed. That's where you're fed. See, animals look for, if you've ever had animals, like right now, I've been feeding hay since August. Because of the drought, we've had no, no pasture, no grass. So we've been feeding hay and grain and all these things since, uh, since August because there's no pasture. It's all dried up. And we need rain. We need rain. So it's all dried up. So when you see that he said you find pasture, that means you find a place to eat. And Luke 17, 30 talks about in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And Jesus asked them, where will these people find? He said, you'll find them around the body word, around the carcass of the Son of Man. That means body. Carcass means body. It means sacrifice given. But it's not just sacrifice given. It's also access and way made that now I can get to the tree of life and I can eat and I can live forever. He said, go in and out and find pasture. Now, the reason I'm going to stop there just a minute is, I say this all the time, you're a citizen of two worlds. You're a citizen of two worlds in, in more than just two ways, in more than just one way. Now, as you sit here, you live in this world, you smell this world, and you all these things, but you're hearing things right now of another kingdom. You're hearing things of another world, of another dimension that this world don't know nothing about, that this world has been marked by sin. It doesn't understand, but you do because you're that receptor. You're that receiver on this side that's picking up something from the other side of glory. That's you right now this morning. So that makes you a citizen of that kingdom. And the only reason you are a citizen of that kingdom is because you always was a citizen of that kingdom. Before the foundation of the world, you were born there because you were in him for his pleasure. Always was in the mind of God. That's how you are a dual citizen. Now, that's one part. You understand? We can accept it. We can all accept, okay, I know that I live here now. I know I'm going there, and I'm only going there because I'm from there. So that actually makes me from, you know, I'm, a, I'm from there. So you know, those that were born in the country, you know, okay, I'm originally from Africa, but I live here now. But so you're originally from glory, so you're going back to glory. Phrase if I moved to another country, I'd say I'm from America, but I live here now, but I'm going back to, it's because it's where you're from. You don't get there unless that's where you're from. And he's explaining all these things so clearly to you. So you've got that part, just so I understand, just so you understand and make it plainly. But you've also got another part that happens at the cusp of Revelation chapter 3 and Revelation chapter 4. Now, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we cover many times, covers the seven church ages and what God did in that history, working himself back to his people. You understand? Everybody understand? So at the end of Revelation chapter 3, we're at that point right there. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. If any man hear my voice if, and invite me in, invite me in, not to Laodicea, not to the church world, not those things. Invite me into your heart. Let me come into your heart. Where it becomes, you are now the hidden life of Christ. And beautiful uh, understanding is, for those who understand this, as far as the third pole, you become the little room of the tent. You become that little room in the tent. The prophet was showed that vision, and the Lord Jesus told him, I'll meet you in there. That's you. You're that tent. 
He used to live in badger skins, used to hide behind that, used to be in those places like that, but it ain't that way no more. Now he is in the redeemed, purchased possession of his blood, and you are his very throne. Can we, can we accept that so far? Everybody accepting that? So if you're at that point, <laughs> that you were later see in the church age, later see, and it's still going on. There's no other messenger to be given. That prophet on the left right there is was the, the, the messenger, the seventh angel messenger that wrapped up the later seeing age. There'll be no other messenger to come after that messenger for that day. The Bible prophesies of that. But again, Revelation chapter four happens. John is sitting there and John is seeing all these things playing out. It's not like he's saying, okay, think about that, think about that. No, he's like, no, I see that. I see Paul. I see Irenaeus. I see Columba, I see all the way down to Wesley, or Martin and, and Martin, and then Luther, and then Wesley, and then William Branham. I see that. Okay, at William Branham, at the seventh angel master, I see him outside the door. He's knocking. And the church world has got so darkened, so blacked out. Isaiah 60 said, I, darkness has covered the face of the earth. Everywhere there's darkness. He said, but unto you a light has come. And the way that light has come is you leave the darkness and you go into him. You've stepped out of Revelation chapter 3 into Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 3 is still going on. Latest in church age is still going on, but John said, I heard a voice and said, Come up! Come up! Well, that's still going on. Yeah, but you're not from there. Come back to where you're from. Come back to where you're from. So, I, I still live, and this is going on. I'm not disputing that, but you ain't from there. You tell yourself, I'm blending. I'm blending from realities. I'm blending from realities. And you'll know yourself what God has done for this small assembly. This ain't been no regular church. There's been times you think, I could go right now. I literally could go right now. I feel like I'd step through that veil right now. And what even like, how long did I been here? You felt that in this room. I'm not the only one feeling these things. You've testified of that. I know that I've got to go back. I've got to go. Okay. There's a dime you come and you won't be coming back. I say praise the Lord. That rapture will, will come full manifestation. That seal that's been sealing you to the day of your redemption. All of those things will be perfectly wrapped up. You will have completed what God's plan for you to do. You will have completed what God's plan for you to do. You will not rapture until you've completed what God's worked for you to do. You think about a, a boss and you got so many things to get done today through manufacturing, through things. I've got to clear out these things right now. But what if it goes over time? So what? It's got to get done today. This has to be done today. No, we can wait till another day. There's no other day coming. No other day coming. The time is right now. It's right now. You get up, get to work. Quit playing around. Quit playing church. Quit goofing off the time. You get up right now and get to work. Well, I thought no servile work would be done when we're in. You ain't no servant. Ain't nothing servant about you. You were a servant because you were a seed. You weren't adopted yet, but now you're adopted. And now God is in you and said, get to work. And you will not leave. We will not leave until it's done. Well, it can't go no longer. It will go as long as it takes. As long as it takes. I've been told my whole life, you know, this world can't go no longer. It's going to fall off the edge anytime. And as you look at the current events, you look at what's going on. You look, any day, your economy could crash. All these different things could crash. This could happen. Russia could bomb you sooner than you think. No, no, God is holding it. God is holding it. Oh, it can't go no further. He's been left. has not left. 
down. How can it go? He, I've been told the whole life, any nation that got the 10 trillion in debt, any nation that got a 15 trillion in debt, we're way past that. How is it still surviving? He ain't done Latin yet. He ain't done Latin yet. And if he ain't done Latin, what's the reason? There's a work for us to do. People twist these things up. They take that as Hebrews 4, Hebrews 6 said, that enter into that rest and don't fail to enter that rest. See, you have that part again, citizen of two worlds. I am resting in my election. I'm resting knowing that I'm his. I'm not worried and stressed. Am I redeemed? Am I a part of God? I'm not all that settled. And my heart testifies it's settled. But you've got a work to do. Get to it. Get to it. Now, <laughs> That pasture, that pasture is the revealed word of God. It is the carcass, the living carcass of the Son of Man. That's what you're feeding on. You're not sitting around here like cannibals. That's what, again, if Satan can't keep you from a truth, he'll try to push you over the edge on the truth. Oh, he's a cannibal. He's going to eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's just a cannibal. We should all leave him like the other 70. Your heart says, I can't leave. Where would I go? Where would I go? He has the words of life. I don't understand. I don't understand, but he has the words of life. Where would I go? There's nothing to turn back to. For you to turn back now is to go to perdition, to go to the lake of fire. No, thank you. No, thank you. You go feed on that word, and you feed on that life. And it, it, that's the reason why you think about certain maybe uh, points in Scripture you think be random. He's called El Shaddai. The breasted one. Now, that's a type of a mother to her baby. That baby can't eat strong meat yet. That baby can't you know, digest steak. He can't digest even potatoes yet. But that has a mother to bring the life source through. That's why God designed it, to feed a child. You're not meant to stay a child. You're my, yes, you have that point. Yes, I was, I was very shaky as I was learning to walk and, and we're holding on to the rail and, and sliding out. But eventually... You started getting footing. Where's that demon at? Where's that demon at? I was built to conquer. I was built to rule with the Spirit of Christ. With the Spirit of Christ. He said, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He don't come for any other reason, he said, my words are life. My words are truth. And he's saying, your enemy only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Let me face this enemy that I'm talking about. Anybody? Anybody ever face that enemy? I'm not talking a bunch of, of children this morning. I'm talking about people that whether you fought or not, you know the enemy's real. Whether you fought him or not, I've been many times I didn't fight him. He put his foot on my neck. He stomped my face on the ground. I, I can, I'm not trying to give him glory. I'm telling you what I let him do to me. So I can tell you the enemy's real. I can tell you he don't want a treaty with you. He don't want to negotiate with you. Oh, just stay here on the fence. It'll all be okay. No, no, no. You either get into Christ or you get into hell. There's no in between. Oh, there's a gray area like saying you either get into Christ or you go to hell. Because he's heaven, and anything that's not heaven is hell. Oh, well, there's a gray area in between. There's not. You have a chasm, boom, you're in hell. There's no, well, the, I like to stay right there. No, no, it's either in or out. 
It's in or out. You, if you could sit down this morning and interview some of the angels that set Lucifer tricked into following him. Some of those probably didn't make an upfront decision. Maybe they weren't. I'll say, say that here's the Lord's side. The Bible says who's on the Lord's side. Maybe here's the Lord's side and here's the devil's side. And maybe they're like, let's just see what happens. And it was all settled. And he's like, you're with him. I didn't make a decision. Yes, you did. You're either for me or you're against me. Again, with the spirit of Christ, you're either for him or you're against him. No, I didn't make a decision. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So again, back to the negotiation, back with the treaty with your devil. Well, I just he'll just take this little bit of part of here and we'll stay over here. You, you look at just in the history of Israel in the last hundred years, what they've been doing and, and Hamas comes at them and all these other uh, other states, they come at him and let's try to negotiate. Okay, you have this and, and you take that and we're over here. Every single thing they give, that enemy wants more. Hey, if you give him an inch here or we'll give you one foot of real estate here, you know what? I got that. What else can I get? What else? And keep encroaching and keep encroaching. You're not letting them into your house. You're supposed to chase them down to their house and cut his head off. Well, I'll just cope with it. I'll just suffer through it. Ain't no suffering for a child of God. He only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And then your enemy. You have the Lord Jesus Christ teaching you how to fight. He's teaching you how to fight. So are you sure, Jesus, are you sure that he only wants to steal from me, that he wants to kill me and destroy everything that he's trying to erase you from the planet? He's trying to erase you from the planet. Do you understand what I'm telling you this morning? So every seed that is born of God is God. You, right? Every seed. Are you a seed of God this morning? Come on, follow with me. Now you testify. I'm a seed of God. So if I am a seed of God, this ain't a seed of Sam Parker. This isn't anything about me. Again, spirit of Christ. It's a seed of God. Satan is trying to purge God from the planet. No, I am the most high, he said. I get me worship like the most high. I will. You see that me monster? I will. That's why it's got to die in you. It's got to die in you. Well, I did this. I did this. Shut your mouth. Because that only comes from one place. You hear me this morning? No, this is what God did. This is what God did. Are you this? Well, I used to be that, but this is what God did. This is what God did. Satan is saying, I want that. I'm going to be like that. So he's going to try to remove anything that would be contrary to the lie he is spreading. So, of course, he's going to destroy everything that shows you ever existed. He wants to destroy. Well, maybe we can live peaceably. There's no peaceably. He's got to die. Now, Interesting point I'll drop in right there. The prophet taught us, again, I love a seventh grade education, a prophet that will tell you things that even chemists and scientists have yet to figure out. He said, it took him a long time to get this. He said that, that we as a human race cannot annihilate anything. You cannot erase anything. Well, I can take this paper and I can burn it up and it's gone. Fire, it burned up and it's gone. No, you just put it back into the, the molecules and atom it was in before. Back in the same atom state, the atomic state it was in before. There's only one being that can annihilate. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, here's where people get tripped up. Again, the devil's always trying to say, well, okay, okay, here's what we'll do. Um, if we say, if we allow you to believe that Lucifer's real, if I allow that, because that's a big trick of the devil too, Satan's not real. So if I allow you to believe that, what I won't let you do is believe that hell's real. We got a guy down here in Oklahoma, uh, in Tulsa area, they remember years ago, come out that he, there's no hell. 
He, if you Google him right now, it says he's got a thing on it. If you Google the guy's name, it has on there that comes up, get the hell out of my Bible. And he's trying to say that it's taking hell out of the Bible. That's, that's why it's his slogan. And they even made Netflix made a movie out of him a few years ago. And they, they, somebody cried out from the congregation, you're trying to rewrite the Bible. And he said, no, I'm trying to reread the Bible. You see the lie of the enemy. Okay, if he allows you to believe that Lucifer is actually real, he's okay, I'll let you have that one. You got a little close and you actually saw I exist. Okay, and if I allow you to believe that hell is real because you've ever felt the fire, you felt that condemnation. Okay, if I'm feeling condemnation, what is the end result of this condemnation? What is, if something doesn't change and stuff, there's there before now no condemnation them that are in Christ Jesus. So if I'm feeling condemnation and I understand that, that this leads somewhere, this condemnation, otherwise it wouldn't be that hot. It wouldn't be that heavy. You're like, okay, it's no big deal. It's just a bad case of heartburn. It's not... It's just condemnation, no big deal. No, your heart's telling you that if something doesn't change, I'm going someplace I don't want to go. That's why it's called condemnation, because a judge has condemned you. And if you're feeling that, you've got to make it right. Whatever you require. I fall in the mercy of the court. I fall in the mercy of the court. I'm guilty, yes. I fall in the mercy of the court. That's why the judge is here. So, if he allows you to believe that he's real, if he allows you to believe that hell is real, so now he's got to lie out that, that, there's, uh, that there's an eternal hell. See, you think about the way you're wired. Can you imagine right now not existing? And I can tell you, I've got a good imagination. Can you imagine not existing? You, you can't. I don't think you possibly can. In your mind, not existing. I can't do it. If there's no eternal hell, if there's no eternal hell, that means that at some point, those that go there will not exist. Now, the Bible said forever and forever. It'll burn forever and forever. It's still a time span. The reason why eternal is so special and so specific is because eternity, eternity, anything that's eternal comes from eternity. Anything that comes from eternity, eternity has no beginning. Eternity has no end. Is this truth? You, everybody, because most folks don't, don't completely don't understand the meanings of every word. The word eternity or eternal means no beginning and no ending. The Bible, which is the only thing that's true, says that hell was created for Satan, Lucifer, and his angels. Wait a minute now. If hell was created, it means it had a beginning. It also wasn't created for you. It wasn't created for all the other people Satan's taken with him. The Bible says hell had to enlarge itself. Hell had to add on. Oh, man, we ain't got enough room to take all these people. Let's knock that wall out and go that way. What a horrible thing. Hell had to enlarge itself. <laughs> so then he puts on you, okay, if I let you know that I'm real, if all the hell's real, okay, but it's not that bad. You'll, you'll still exist in some form or another with the eternal hell theory. You'll exist in some form or another. No, you won't. You'll be punished. For as long as the judge says, and then it's done. I'll still be burning somewhere. No, it's done. It's called separated. And will be thought of no more. 
I know of a, a Baptist friend of mine that I, I opened my mouth one day and was talking about. He's independent Baptist, so independent Baptist, but uh, no fit for those that was former independent, sorry. Uh, but he was telling me one day, I didn't know. I just heard about someone believing in an eternal hell. I did not never come across that before. And I was talking about, I said, can you believe someone does that? And after, after I put my foot so far down my mouth, he's like, I'm pretty sure my church does. And what I do, I'm like, oh, man, I didn't mean to. This, this smear you. I didn't mean for that. I said, let me ask you this. I said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, if you've been in heaven, if you've been over there for, let's say, you know, a trillion years, you're just going to walk by the lake of fire and just watch them burn? Hey, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. I see, that ain't my God. That ain't my God. My God's not spiteful. He's not going to say, I'm going to make you burn for trillions and trillions just to punish you good. There's a punishment. I'm not disputing that. And it's horrible. But at some point, it's over. That's mercy. That's what mercy is. At some point, it's over. That's, if, you have, if, you have, if you've been attacked, let's say you're in your backyard and some great big lion jumps out and you take and you shoot it or something and it's wounded and it's still just, you know, it's dying, yes, but it's going to prolong it for days and days and days. You could sit it left there and be agonizing and hurting and, and just dying for so long or you can have mercy on it and just, just finish it because our God's a merciful God. So isn't that amazing? So your enemy wants to take you there with him. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your life. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your courage. He wants to make you a coward. He wants to make it where you won't speak for the Lord, that you won't be a testimony, that you won't be a witness to your God. That's what Satan wants to steal that from you. And then if you won't do that, he wants to kill you. He done tried to kill me many times. I can tell you supernatural things have God has spared my life. Supernatural things that should not have happened. God spared my life. It ain't nothing about me that's worth anything. God did that for me. And then once that's done, he wants to destroy you. So the way, the truth, and the life, resurrection, the I am is telling you, this is what your enemy wants. Make a choice. You want me or you want him. And he's standing there with a the heart of a gentleman begging now, we just read this through for you the one, first time, and you saw what he told him. And then the Bible says, again, he told him, you didn't get what I said. You didn't understand. Let me try this again. Listen to me. I'm right here. No, no, God is something far off, and God can't be accessed. God can't be understood. He's too great. He's too high. He's too all these things. He said, I'm right here. Right there. So simple. God hides himself in simplicity. We have a prophet that taught us that. God hides himself in simplicity. You have all these people that, that can build thrusters and shoot up to the moon. He said, but they can't explain a blade of grass. They can't explain a, a speck of dust. It's too high for them. It's too high for them. The Lord Jesus lives in that. And simplicity, the most complex entity anywhere, can break himself down to where an eight-year-old girl can understand and be taught the deep things of God because the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all truth. It brings revelation, the wisdom and knowledge, understanding of him. I don't care if you're a thousand years old. If the Holy Ghost ain't there to teach you, you don't know nothing. It's that simple. You don't know that. If you've not had that birth of the Holy Ghost, you still don't know nothing. I don't care if you have every degree on the planet and have a trillion years of experience. You don't know nothing. You know nothing. It's that plain and simple. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. 
Then you have a semicolon. He said, this is your enemy. This is what he wants for you. And if you follow him, if he tricks you and you believe him, that's where you'll go. He said, but while we're on this subject again, let me make this clear to you. The third time, God's perfected in threes. He said, I am come. Wait, did he say I am again? Who will I say sent me? He said, you tell him I am sent you. So he sat there and he said, I am come that you might have life. And again, if Satan can't keep you from a truth, he'll beat you up and try to push you over the edge on it. Okay, God will let me live, but I'll be sick and miserable, and I'll have fighting with my family, my husband, my wife, my children, my neighbor, my job, my coworkers, and there'll be turmoil and stress. And, and again, I'll be sick and, and all these things. And I'll be broke all the time, and I'll be struggling and scraping. My car's always going to break down. I don't care if it's a year old. All these nonsense. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stop speaking right then and there? Okay, he's life. Okay, y'all have a good day. No, he said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it. Again, we don't have a program that italicizes that it, that IT, it, life, he's life. More, I'm not talking about more abundantly. More abundantly. Now you link this right away with, he said, these works that I do, you will do them. This is the one that can do this. He said, these works that you see me doing, he said, you will do them. And they're like, is he pointing at me? Me? Imagine the guy in the crowd, he said, you will do them. And you'd have been like, and you're sliding under your chair. What you just did, I'll raise the dead. He said, you will do them. He said, but greater than these shall you do because I go to the Father. I go to, I got to take the sacrifice. The sacrifice must be presented. He said, greater than these shall you do because I've got to go present this sacrifice that I've just given for you. That way you can do. Now, our prophet <laughs> taught the difference between these works and greater works. Many people say, well, you know, God, this, and we're just going to do greater than what God did. Let's see. He created new eyeballs for one of our brothers. He created new eyeballs for one of our brothers there in the Bible. And, and, put, and he spit in the ground, made it together, put his eyeballs back. He raised the dead. You're not going to do, in the physical realm, greater than what he did. As far as that goes, you have a, a larger body that will do more works of those things, yes. So if you had one Jesus, and he's healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all these signs and miracles and wonders, that's amazing and wonderful. But what if now you have a collective bride body of Jesus Christ all over the planet doing it? Woo! That's power. Okay, so we've accepted that. But the prophet told you, that's not what he's talking about. You can search it in the message. He said, when he said, these greater works that I do, shall you do, he said, it's the ability to impart eternal life. You hear me now? The ability to impart eternal life. That's what he's saying. And you're like, I can't do that. Him in you can. You know, and you, that's the whole point. That's what, oh, no, no, that's only God can do that. Go back and read the formula again. He that abides in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will. No, he didn't mean that there. He didn't mean that there. He said, when you speak, it will be like I spoke because it is me speaking. So, if, again, back to Brother Bram sitting in the woods there and eating squirrels, and he's owing over that. And if you say, if you say, he said, why don't you say, say, Jesus, why don't you just say, when I speak, 
Jesus saying, when I speak, the mountain will be moved, all these different things. And the, that voice spoke to him and said, all of these scriptures are true, just like every other scripture is true. I love the simplicity of God. Can you imagine going, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. That's pretty simple. That makes a lot of sense. If, if that scripture is true, then the one right beside it's got to be true. And the one in front of it, behind it, around it, above it, and all below it must be exactly truth too. But what the voice goes on to say, he says, when they speak, it won't be them speaking. It'll be me and them. Me and them. He said, I have come that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. And you look at this man right back here on my right. That man was alive two years ago. He was alive two years ago, but he was struggling with all kinds of depression. He was struggling with all kinds of things, the devil and anxiety, all the things that the devil had put on him. That ain't the same man sitting back there. That man has been made alive in Christ Jesus. He ain't got to take no more depression pills. He ain't got to take no more that anxiety pills. None of that stuff no more because God made him free. That's the abundant life that we're talking about here. You know, I'm going to get that when I get my new body. No, no, no. You can have it right now. You're going to have it right. You're given so much heaven to go to heaven in. Amen. Let's all stand our feet this morning. Heavy musicians come. He said, I'm come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He said, I am the good shepherd and you're hard to testify. That ain't nothing but the truth. The only thing that is good is God and he's mine. He's mine. He's my God. He's not just my God, he's my Lord. That means that I've surrendered all of my heart to him and he sits on the throne of my heart. He rules and reigns me. He rules and reigns me. Not just someone else, but me. Uh, There's a brother that read a scripture, a, a quote this weekend that Brother Ram said that this guy run up to him and said, uh, if God would just give me a mountain move of faith, if God would just give me a mountain move of faith, he'd just give me a mountain move of faith. He said, why? He said, you can't even move yourself. You can't even move yourself. And like, well, no, it's not that simple. Will you be in the house of the Lord? Will you give your life to him? Will you dedicate yourself to him and follow the statutes and commandments of God? Will you live your life the way he says? And once you do that, you see faith rising in your heart and say, Lord, I've done all these things. It's like Elijah said, at thy word. I've done all these things at thy word. Not at just my, what somebody told me, but at his word and my fruits prove it. You appreciate the Lord this morning. Such a wonderful and merciful and gentle Savior. What a mighty God we serve. My soul, oh, my Savior God, to Oh, how great thou art. Sing that verse again. Oh, my Savior, come to thee. Oh, 
again. Amen. If anyone needs prayer this morning, we have to pray.
He raps, he raps himself in love. Artist tries, don't let that darkness hide. It trembles at his voice, it trembles at his voice. How great our God. Sing with me now, great. Oh, God. Oh, sing how great. How great is Oh, how great. Oh, see it. 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 Oh, your heart is testifying to you right now who's in this room. It is not just me. You know the level him is here right now. And you know through the word that he meets every need. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. All throughout my history. Your faithfulness has walked beside me. Amen. That's right. That's exactly what That's right. Lord, we thank you for our sister, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for her heart believing your She's not All over my life, in the word that by your stripes, anybody else, the person who lives, is something to suffer. I see you, you know, when I am behind our face together collectively as a body, oh, fear may come. We say, Satan, you will leave. We rebuke you and renounce you in the name of my heart. And bring your reach. And take your hands as I the empty grave in her family. 
The evidence is in Jesus. Don't say all that age. Because of you, Michael's cheese. I have seen the cross, the empty grave. I've got to say, well, the evidence is in Jesus. All the sinners have called me Sister, to your right She's not come to herself. To victory. You are my strength. And you are always with me. I see the evidence of your good. Yes. Oh, my I see the prophecies of the So, so, 
Jesus, who is my Lord, who is our Lord, whom we've given all possession of our reigns, 
of our throne, of our altar, to Thee, who we belongs. Lord, we commit this audience, these people, these believers, these brothers and sisters, all completely into Your hands this morning. Lord, don't let what is grow with faith this morning simmer out. But Lord, let it build and build. Let it pulsate to each believer here this morning. Let it pulsate, Lord, in our hearts. Let it pulsate in my life. Let it pulsate in their lives, Lord. As you're drawing us from here to eternity, Lord. Let our lives become a witness of what you're doing. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, my heart's cry, not just for this church, Lord, but I've claimed this town as well. I've claimed it on the authority of the open word of the resurrected Lord Jesus. I've asked the creator, you, Lord, that you would create in every one of their hearts a new heart, a heart that can believe that they would be able to walk in the present truth. Not in the Lord Jesus that died two years ago, but the Lord Jesus that's here in this room right now. That they will see the living God as you open your word and walk your bride right through it. Lord, let a revival begin right here. Let it set this town on fire like this world has never seen. Let it burn and burn and burn and burn that Satan and every demon in hell couldn't stand to get within a thousand miles of it, Lord. And let us move from here to every community, city, and town until we take this whole state for you, Lord Jesus. Let that revival begin in me, Lord. Let that revival begin in us, Lord. Help us to move ourselves, Lord, to your will, to your way. Kneel before you, Lord, from all the power comes. I pray you bless my brothers and sisters here tonight, this morning, that you would help them, that you would draw them up close to your side, Lord, that they would be able to experience that, that, that presence of a living God. Bless them in such a special way. Move them as they go out back to their homes, their travels. We've got to face tomorrow, work week or school week, whatever it might be. Lord, your word teaches us what Satan's got in store for us. That probably before we even get home, he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, your word also teaches what you've got in store for us. And it's life. And it's not just to be alive, but it's to bear fruit abundantly to the glory of the Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters in a special way. Bring us back on Wednesday night, Lord, with more of a hunger and thirst and desire in our hearts to be drawn more into thee. We ask these things in your beautiful and precious lovely name. Amen. Sing this song. Before we go this morning. And yes, it's truly that simple. You surrender. You throw your hands up to him and say, Lord Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. And from this moment and this point forward, you live your life in complete surrender to the only one word. Thank you. Uh,
Unless Lord is business. Say it as you go. Uh, so. <laughs> 